Hello out there, ladies. It's Rochelle with another episode of Unabashed You, where we as women get to talk about stuff. Unabashed You is women talking about stuff. It's a place where we can be uniquely ourselves without apology. We want to be wise, to know our worth, and to enjoy whimsy. We'll be chatting with Trisha today. I had fun learning more about her in the get to know you portion of the episode. In addition, I was looking forward to covering the two topics she brought to the table. I appreciate each guest's careful consideration of the things that they want to discuss. I continue to be moved, edified, and inspired by each woman and what they share with us. Trisha is no exception. I hope you will feel the same. You'll hear the strange underlying sound that we couldn't identify probably from Trisha's side of our conversation. It wasn't quite a whoosh, a rustle, or a hiss, but it was consistent. I decided it was a whirring. Maybe you've got a better word, and I'm all for hearing what it is. The source remains a mystery. You'll get used to it and not notice it much anymore. Please do, because her content is strong and not to be missed. Enjoy the episode. Our guest today is Trisha. We met through church, shared in some women's events, and have been in even a couple of productions together there. I appreciate not only her talent for dance, she's graceful and creative, Trisha is also gentle, kind, and wise, not to mention a great listener. Let's get to know her some more. Wow, thank you. (laughs) Quite an introduction. (laughs) It's always strange to hear somebody else describe you, isn't it? Very much so. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I'm a little flustered <laughs> by all the compliments. Yeah. Um, but the, that's good. That's that's kind of what this is about, you know, recognizing how others see you and then hopefully seeing that in yourself and, you know, embracing that. Yeah, that's really true. Um, if I can say one kind thing about you um, in return. <laughs> Uh, I have always admired in church how you're not afraid to move. You're not <laughs> to express yourself, and you're not intimidated in the least that way. And I just think that's really neat that you uh, have that sort of comfort. Oh, thank you, thank you. It just it reminds me of I don't know, I don't know where it is, uh, but somewhere that King David and the way that he danced, just with joyful abandon, or however they describe it, was just kind of how. I feel when I hear, you know, good worship music, I just, I'm all in and yeah. people can think what they want to think. I'm As long as I'm not being a distraction, I want to be able to just express myself and really feel that. Well, thank you for that. I was not expecting a compliment. That's a beautiful yeah. way to begin the episode. All right. So we're going to get to know you a little bit better. Three words that you would use to describe yourself. Three words you would use to describe yourself. Okay. Okay. This may not be in agreement with my family, (laughs) but. (laughs) This is how uh, you see you, not how they see you, how you see you. Okay. I think um, compassionate, um, funny. I have a good sense of humor. I mean, I can laugh at myself and be pretty self-deprecating, and, and but appreciate other people's humor, too. Um, and I'm going to say discerning. I'm um, pretty good at discerning situations, decisions, things that need to be said or not said. I, um, I agree. I mean, obviously, you're described yourself, but I like echo everything you've said, because in, in saying that you are wise, to me, some of wisdom is discernment. And you are very compassionate. And that's part of your ability to listen and being kind. 
And then funny, I maybe know that side of you least of all, but I, that's something that I value in others greatly. I think that's one of the best things that God gave us is the ability to laugh and, you know, enjoy and be playful and, and all those wonderful things. Well, thank you for those three words. Those are great. One of the scary, what's one of the scariest things you've ever done? Well, um, I think I have shared this, I've shared this with you before, but I'd have to say, um, when I had my daughter as a single mother, yes, um, that was just a, a leap of faith and I knew I was going to be okay, but I didn't quite know how I was going to navigate it at first. Um, so that was pretty, that felt like jumping off a cliff, um, that is scary because now you're responsible for this other little being. I mean, it's hard enough like, okay, now I, it's me and I've got to figure it out for me. But no, no, wait a minute. It's not just me. It's this other little person. I'm now fully responsible for them and I've got to, got to make it happen. Well, I can relate yeah. to that completely. That is scary. When I was expecting my daughter, um, who's now 17, um, I kept having this dream periodic dream towards the end of my pregnancy that people would arrive for a party and I was not prepared. And I had, I have to think, I remember saying one time, all I have is bananas in the house. (laughs) Just these stupid thoughts I had um, during these dreams. But I think it was just, um, you know, preparing for the inevitable and me just kind of, you know, getting my head around that and, um, yeah, working it through, you know, in right. my dreams, I think. Right. Well, she's a, a fine right. young woman and is going to continue to flourish and do well and be well. She's going to be a chip off the old block. Something <laughs> on your bucket list, something that you're like, oh, I, I want to do this. I haven't done it yet, but I, I, I want to get to it at some point. Well, um, I do, I do want to travel more. I want to get to Israel someday. Yeah, I know you've been there. Um, And I want to get to Africa. Um, Those are two kind of ambitious places to go, but um, I'm just very curious and just, yeah, I just want to see, you know, the walk where Jesus walked and um, I'd like to um, just see what Africa is all about. I mean, I, I also, you know, the the cool part of Africa, which is the safari part, I would love to see that. But then also just kind of the the people of Africa and, and how they live, and to understand that. That I was going to ask you more. if it was the pull of the animals or seeing sort of small villages and sort of what we, in some ways, think of Africa as being. So it's both. It, it's actually both. Yeah, I. I um, I worked with an author. I still work with him, actually, who is a um, he's a wildlife artist, but he's also a uh, African safari expert. So he takes people on these. He only takes about a half dozen people on these on foot safaris with a guide with a gun. <laughs> but for the most part, that's never used. It's just you know there in case. But he just gets these really amazing up close. Um, photos of his experiences and it just looks so uh cool to me and um i would love to go with him but he's very expensive oh really (laughs) yeah his trips are really expensive because you 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 sort of um you camp but you camp very nicely and then on the first and last day when you want to shower you stay at very nice you know very nice places but um but yeah, just working with him has made me really curious about um, yeah Africa in general. You know, right. Just, I think I've seen it. some of his work. Didn't I go to something at Vicky's house that showcased his work? Of was course. all over the walls. Yeah, he does all kinds of different mediums, and he he wrote a coffee table book about his travels, and that's I helped him to publicize that, and then wow. we just remained friends. And, I've helped him with other How yeah, often projects. does he go? That's so fascinating. How often does he go? He used to go yearly, um, and then his guide had some health problems, and he really was just 
this was his guide. I mean, this was the guy he always went with every year. And so he didn't go, well, he didn't go this past, he didn't go this summer because of COVID-19, obviously. And last year he chose to go to New Zealand instead, but I think he'll go again probably next year. And then, um, that'll, that'll be like 20 times he's been there. Wow. And I think he's going to call it quits. Yeah, oh, no, you have to go while he's still going. Oh. Well, I, I know. We'll find some way to go. Maybe I'll just drag him with me or something and he can be our tour guide. Or, right. um, but, uh, yeah, so vicariously through him, I really learned a lot about Africa and just appreciated it more. That's great. Because you're in a literary wor- world, I, I sort of – morph this question a little bit one or two of the books you've read that really helped shape who you are hmm, that's interesting okay um well as a young girl i read little women and that was that was my favorite book mm-hmm. and i grew up with five sisters versus four oh, oh but I, I had I could identify each sister with one of my sisters. You know, I definitely had like a Joe in my family, <laughs> the headstrong, um, the headstrong one who was always just kind of forging her way. And, um, but so little women. And then um, uh, about, about the time my um, marriage fell apart and I could see that I was going to be single, I read uh, The Dive from Clawson Pier by Ann Packer and it's a novel yes it was about her kind of grappling with these life events that had happened to her and I just could not get through it fast enough I just read that thing and it was just so interesting to me um I rec I highly recommend it even if you know you're not having a life-changing event it's just a it's a good book about growing up and decision making and and um making a life and yeah, it's just a – so those are two that come. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Because they're both and so then, different. Yeah, very different, very different. And then a third book I read that I really love, and I can't remember the author, um, is a book called Mudbound. Um, oh. It's also a novel. Uh, I wish I could remember her name, but it was about – it's post-World War II uh, in the South when um, – you know, when black soldiers were coming back from returning um, from war and trying to find their place, especially in the South, and a lot of them got um, jobs on farms and, uh, you know, helping sharecroppers and that kind of thing. And um, there's a romance between uh, this black fellow who comes back from the war and this well-to-do white family between the daughter and this um, soldier and there's just some really uh it's just very interesting just kind of opened my eyes to uh you know post-world war ii um black soldiers coming back from the war and how they kind of had you know pre-civil rights movement how they had to sort of find their way in society again didn't they make that into like either a mini series or a movie or something i feel like that sounds familiar for some reason yeah, I think they did. I never saw it, but I think, and I should look for it. I think Netflix maybe did something okay. with it. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a good book. Too. It would make a good movie. I should look for it. Okay. Um, All right, so but, you accidentally get locked in Target overnight. Who do you want to be, think, who do you want to be stuck with? It's oh, accidental. Well, you're not going to get in trouble. Nothing's going to happen. It's just accidental. You and the person of your choice get locked in Target overnight. Who do you want to be stuck with? This can be living, not living, someone you know, someone you don't know. It doesn't matter. It's because there are no wrong answers here. Oh, my gosh. That's really tricky. Uh, let's see. Um, I think I'd have to say... Um, Billy Graham. Oh, wow. <laughs> interesting choice, but um, I, cause I would just love that time to really talk with him and pick his brain and just hear all about his life. And um, I mean, that was the spontaneous thing that came to my mind. I love it. That's what, yeah. Cause you might answer that question differently tonight or tomorrow morning or whatever, but in this moment, 
Billy Graham, that would be, he would have a lot of richness to, to what he had to say, a lot of wisdom and discernment, back to your word, discernment. Right. This part is for me because it's just fun. So I want you to say three things about yourself. Two things will be true. One thing will not be true. So two truths and a lie. And I am going to do my best to select what I think the lie is. Two truths and a lie. Three things about yourself. One is not true. Oh, boy. Uh, okay. Um, I've, I've been to the Playboy Mansion. <laughs> didn't see that coming, did you? <laughs> Based on my persona. Um, um, I've, uh, uh, I won a lot of awards as a, um, gymnast in elementary school and, um, I, When I first graduated from high school, I wanted to design bridal dresses. <laughs> okay, well, I pondered that. Will you do me a favor and turn your fan off? I want to see if it makes a difference with the sound. I'm getting a, sure. I'm getting a whirring. Whir, I'm not good at the sound effects. A whirring kind of a sound. I want to see if that makes a difference. Okay, so we've, we've got a lot of awards as a gymnast in elementary school design bridal dresses and oh that first one you've been to the playboy mansion oh my gosh oh my gosh that is incredible okay i'm gonna go with you didn't want to there's something about the designing bridal gowns or, or i'm gonna say that that's the lie hmm uh, no, it's the middle one. Um, I, I did win a lot of awards, but as a runner in elementary school. Oh! <laughs> you tweaked it just a little bit. You tweaked it just a little bit. See, because I was thinking, okay, yeah, gymnast, yeah. I can see that because then you ended up being a dancer, and that is a very natural segue from gymnastics to dancing. So that one you know, seem true. And then the first one just seems so sort of random and absurd that to me it had to be true. That's right. so funny. Okay, so while well, I have to hear that story, how on earth did you find yourself at the Playboy Mansion? Oh, gosh. Um, well, this had to do with my job when I worked at CBS uh, Network. And um, we did a photo shoot for a TV show Um Called, um, it was a detective show called Buddy Farrow, I think it was called. Um, but he had this crime caper that had to do with the uh, uh, Playboy Mansion. And so we asked if we could do a photo shoot there. This was back in the late 90s. Um, and so for one day, we were able to be on the property <laughs> and do this photo shoot. Near outside, near the pool area, the yard, which was just huge. You know, it was it was um, just a huge backyard with all these tall pines and this beautiful pool. And um, and and Hugh Hefner was around. I mean, I met him. He was just as you would think. He comes out in kind of a smoking jacket, you know, very <laughs> cliche <laughs> and very 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 kind. Um, but I have to say, one thing I noticed about him is that he had very uh, yellow teeth. Oh, um, interesting. I think he drank a lot of coffee and maybe smoked back in the day. Or, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just diagnosed he had bad teeth. Um, but, yeah, so that was, that's kind of my, in these kind of games, I always use that one because nobody, you know. Nobody, nobody right. Okay, so, and then I also want to hear about, because you didn't end up doing anything like, as far as I know, designing bridal gowns. So what, 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 how did that, yeah. what, what was that dream about? And oh, and by the way, that wasn't the sound. So if you want to turn your fan back on, you can, there's some oh. other whirring sound, but I have no idea what it is. So okay. you may turn the, I don't want you to die of heat. So feel free to turn the fan back on. Okay. Thank so you. bridal gown. So 
in high school, did you, you know, do a lot of home ec? You, you, you did sewing like at home. You were a seamstress in your own right. And from there you thought, what? Yeah. Um, well, I, I used to, as a kid, I, I drew a lot and I would always draw kind of, uh, bridal scenarios, weddings, you know, I, I, I loved as a kid going to anybody's wedding and I was a flower girl a couple times and friends of the family's weddings and that sort of thing. And I just, um, and as I got into high school, I started to sew, well, I had home map in junior high. Um, and that kind of just launched in me, a, um, a love of design, um, in clothing. And then, uh, high school, I sewed some more, sewed for myself. And then, um, you know, as I was entering college, I, I did two years at a junior college um, before kind of figuring out what I wanted to do and um, sewed a lot then. And I thought, well, I think I want to go into um, design, but I think I want to go specifically into bridal design. So bless my heart, my, bless my dad's heart, um, I was the youngest of six, so there was not a lot of money for me to go to college by the time that came around. But he pulled it together, and he, he sent me to the, um, in Los Angeles, the Fashion Institute of Design. We've oh, gone down there. Yes. And, um, and so we'd gone down prior, just check it out. And then I started, um, like, the winter after I finished junior college. So I was about 20 when I went to San Diego, or L.A., and um Started it and was very challenged by it, but found that it was just not a world. And maybe because I, I think I might have been too young, too. I, you know, I grew up in Fresno, which was just so different from Los Angeles. And then going to the big city at 20 and getting into the whole fashion scene. Um, in some ways, it was very interesting for me, but it was also extremely overwhelming. I just um, couldn't quite see myself. Incredibly, It was incredibly competitive. And people weren't that nice because it was so competitive, you know, right. nobody wanted you kind of stealing their idea or taking away their, you know, um, their light and, and, and what they were all about. So um, I attended, you know, the first six months there and then I just called my parents and said, I hate this. I hate this. It's just not for me. You know, I can't see a future in this sort of industry. Um and so it made me sad, but it also, I kind of realized it just wasn't my right. future. Absolutely. No. I uh, think that's a gift that you, you know, got to try it because you thought you really wanted to do it and then realized, my gosh, I don't want to yeah. do this. Yeah. And I think my parents were somewhat relieved, <laughs> but I also wanted to make a decision before any more money had to be plunked down too. You know, I wanted to, sort of save my dad some money if I could, if I wasn't seeing myself continuing down this field. Right, yeah. right. So that's my, that's my story there. Wow. <laughs> See, I learned something new about you. All right, Trisha, where do you find your worth? Your worth? Because this is, this is a big thing for, you know, this, this podcast. It's kind of, we, it's built on worth, wis, wisdom, and whimsy. And so I'm, I'm curious when I speak with women, where do you get your sense of worth? Do you struggle with that or do you, you're pretty solid with that? Um, it's kind of, uh, well, I definitely, uh, my ultimate worth comes from my faith, knowing I'm a child of God. Yeah. Um, so I'd say hands down, that's my, you know, ultimate worth. But, um, Beyond that, um, uh, my worth as a as a mother, I'd have to say, um, as a mother, and it's not just one thing to me. It's no, like a no, 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 no. As a mother, a wife, and also as a um, as an entrepreneur, you know, for the last. Uh, 14 years I've had my own business and that has been very satisfying to me wow. to know that I could do that, you know, and that I could actually succeed at it was a, a, a big thing for me. Um, so I guess that in that 
order would kind of be my uh, how I love I'm, it. That's great. That's I mean that's I think that a lot of women would concur with that uh, kind of a list. Um, you know, getting it from your faith, from being a mom, from being a wife. And then also this wonderful endeavor that you did that you created yourself and were very successful at. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. What is the wisest thing or one of the, I should say, what is one of the wisest things anyone ever said to you? It's just, it's one of those things that you just, you hang on to. It's at the ready. There might be several, but just one that you can think of that you like, yeah, that one, that one just really sticks with me. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess it would come from my, my mom. And um, she always said, you know, be a good friend. Be a good friend to others. You know, um, my mom was very, a very social woman. And I tend to be social, too. And um, people liked her, you know, and she had good friends throughout her life. And she just said, it's important to be a good friend. You know, and I've learned that, too. I, yeah, I have I have friends that I've had since kindergarten. <laughs> a few. Um, and that mean a lot to me. And so I, I do feel like I learned that from her to, uh, yeah, be, be a faithful friend. I love it. That's great. And, of course, that's wonderful advice, you know, to be a good friend. How do you have fun? What makes you laugh? You mentioned that you're a funny person. So, obviously, this is a, a part of you. How do you have fun and what makes you laugh? Um, there are certain comedians that make me laugh a lot. Like, I think I think Ellen DeGeneres is very funny. Um, the kind of, you know, when she sends people out on absurd things to do, you know, <laughs> Go sing in Costco or, you know, go order 12 cups of coffee at Starbucks or whatever it is. Um, I find her very funny. Um, I like uh, I like good comedic movies. Um, uh, who is the actor that I think is really funny? He's, um, his last name is Carell. He's the oh, lead Steve guy. Oh, Steve Carell. Steve. Steve Carell, thank you. Yes. I just think his timing and um, everything is so funny. He did a remake of um, Get Smart, uh-huh. which was uh, one of my favorite shows growing up on Friday nights. Um, and I just think his timing and physical humor is just so funny. Um, I've watched a lot of comedies growing up, um, so I really appreciate you know good humor and good timing kind of thing. Um, and uh, so those, and then just, you know, getting together with friends and just kind of sharing stories and the absurdities of life and, oh, yes. you know, <laughs> things that happen, embarrassing moments, you know, all of that um, just kind of adds to it. And um, my, I, I would say my, my sister next to me in age, she's four years older than me, she always had a very wry sense of humor. So together, we just always kind of batted off each other, you know. Um, she made me laugh a lot, too. And, so what do you like so, to do to have fun? Okay, obviously you like to laugh, so you like to watch certain things that make you laugh, so you seek it out that way. What else do you like to do to have fun? I like um, well, I like to swim a lot. I'm a water person. I like to swim. Um, that just makes me feel good. Um, do you swim in I, the pool? I mean, it's pool lap swimming. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, pool swimming. We have a pool where we live, and um, I try to take advantage of that when I can. Um, I, my husband and I walk every night. I love doing that. It just, it we just kind of debrief and kind of clear our heads, you know, at the end of the day, kind of thing. We also hike. Um, I like. I like to go to happy hour with friends. I like, um, or my husband, you know, but I, I like meeting friends for happy hour, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'll meet a friend of mine and we'll walk on the beach. Um, you know, at this point in life, my, my fun is pretty simple. Right. <laughs> yeah. I find the more I, the longer I live, my fun can be just uh, 
baking cookies with my daughter or something. You know, it doesn't right. have to be a thing. A big, yeah. yeah, a big dramatic thing. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I, like, I like to dance, of course. Oh, yes. Yes, let's not forget that. Yeah. And do you also, like, like, I mean, I know you were a modern dancer primarily, if I remember correctly. Do you also, like, some good songs, you know, are on? Will you dance to that? I mean, so you like, like, I don't want to call it modern dancing because that's a certain genre of, being a dancer, but I'm like putting some rock on or putting some R&B on or all of that. Yeah. You like that sure. too? Okay. Oh, good. Um, at a wedding. I mean, that's, that's practically the only time I can get my husband Mike to dance. If, if he has a glass of wine in him, there you go. <laughs> Pull him out on the floor and dance a little bit. But um, yeah, for the longest time, my daughter and I um, would watch dancing with the stars. Okay. Too. Um, we'd vicariously, you know, do moves that they do and <laughs> oh yeah no social dancing too very much so yeah oh good all right well it's time for us to take the deep dive into the topics you wanted to talk about and we, we you sort of have two main topics with some really great points um let's go ahead and get started on that your your first topic was about love and you said it was based on a song so tell us about that song and then we'll go from there Okay. Well, I heard the song on the radio. The, the artist's name is Danny Goki, and he's a um, contemporary Christian artist. And it was just called Love God and Love People. That was the title. And it's a really kind of catchy tune. And it's, it's currently out right now. Um, and I've been kind of grappling with just uh, the unrest and the division going on, you know, in our current culture. And, and I just thought, you know what, that that kind of sums it up for me. I, um, we need to love God and love people more. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that sounds really simple, but um, I think if we're ever going to get past this divide and anger, we're just going to have to to love each other more right. and have more compassion for each other. Um, so when you were kind of asking me about that, I thought, well, what's, a, what's important to me right now? And... Um, you know, kind of healing this divide is important to me right now and figuring out ways to do that. And um, how, I think you've mentioned that you and your husband, Mike, are, you, you are doing some things to, to help in that. I mean, obviously, every little, um, every little positive movement forward is just that, a movement forward. I mean, it doesn't have to be affect, you know, three million people to be effective it can be, be one person so what are i know you and mike said that uh, you're doing something right now and can you tell us about that yeah well um my mike has two different jobs <laughs> he's a part-time pastor, and then he also uh, has an after school um chess program that he does throughout san diego um at the moment it's you know dormant because of covid19 and he's doing some online Yes, but this past fall and winter, we became um, involved with the Police Athletic League, which is uh, located in City Heights. So it's in a very kind of diverse, underserved area where uh, the population is, um, the majority are Black and Hispanic. And we saw what was happening there with the police and how they're sort of dealing with um, that community, you know, and trying to find ways for kids to do constructive things with their idle time after school, because that's that's usually when things occur, you mm-hmm. know, and kids start getting involved in gangs or, or drugs or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just saw how much um, it really is true that the police are kind of social workers, too. Um, they're dealing with homeless. They're dealing with uh, kids who don't have anybody at home, you know, um, watching over them from maybe three to six o'clock because both parents are at work kind of thing. Um, so we have been involved in, um, and we were just starting to kind of do things when, uh, the whole coronavirus hit, but, um, we're just starting a, um, chess program there, um, probably a Saturday chess program to start. 
but just getting kids involved in that um, and finding a way, you know, a place to belong. And that's really what the whole police athletic league is about. They um, do all sorts of things beyond sports. They, you know, teach the kids about coding and just all different types Mm -hmm. of things going on here. But um, through Mike's, um, chess program we just realized he does a lot with you know mainstream schools and private schools but he wanted to do something with sort of inner city school school kids too and so that was kind of the vehicle to do that and um you know and looking at this you just see that uh everybody just wants um to be acknowledged and they they want love and you see it in these kids too where they just want to matter to somebody right yeah, and um, and there's just a lot of brokenness out there, you know, and you, you see that when you start um, serving this sort of community. Right. And you realize that um, what we've really got to do is just, uh, to me, the, the key is, uh, you know, uh, encouraging dads to stay in the home, stay with their families, <laughs> and education you know, and then, um, and then just love, you know, loving, loving the kids, loving the families. Um, so that's kind of where my heart has been lately is helping Mike, even though I have my own thing going on, helping him, um, with that as well. So you're a provider of, or partnering with PAL, the, uh, police athletically, correct? Okay, yeah, so you're, you're just kind of getting into the whole thing. You're yeah. one of the offerings then. The chess club is one of the offerings. I think that's so wonderful and what a great thing for them to learn. On, I mean, I, I know there are all kinds of studies that have shown how effective chess is to development and, you know, the brain and on and on and on. I mean, all that good stuff. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. That, well, that's wonderful, and I'm sure very satisfying work, and um, I hope that it gets to, you know, come back once all of this yeah. kind of gets figured out and that dust settles. Um, we're not sure when that's going to be, but um, you'll be able to get back to that. That's really, um, I'm very moved by that that mission to just, you know, want to do something where you are. And um, again, these don't have to be, we don't have to, we're not all responsible to be the Martin Luther King Jr.'s. I mean, we weren't, you know, we're not all called to be the big high profile people, but just doing something where you are is, can make, such a difference to somebody. Yeah, and I, I credit my husband Mike with that because um, he has, you know, he has this kind of thriving program within the schools and within the mainstream schools. He really didn't have to go this direction, you know, or do this, but he felt called to do something for kids who couldn't afford, you know, to be in his chess program. Right. Well, and that and, speaks to his character, and of course, our family thinks a lot of Mike. So. <laughs> That's the passionate part. Yes, yes. yes. Be sure and tell them hi from us. All right, let's go to your next topic, which is change. We both talked about the fact that we're the same age, that we are in our third act, so to speak, and, and that I think for both of us, we kind of reached that point of saying, okay, so what now? You know, sort of turning around, looking behind. Okay, I did some neat stuff. I'm very pleased with those things that I got to do. But now I yearn, I'll use the word yearn, to do something more or different or whatever. I know we're both going through that. For me, it was this podcast. And and for you, so tell us, tell us about, about your call, your wanting, your change, this, this, you know, you get this this stirring and this rustling and wrestling inside yourself. So tell us about all of that. 
Well, it's been uh, sort of uh, manifesting in my head for a while. Um, for about the last year, I've been just kind of thinking about it and praying about it and sort of um, needing a clearer picture, you know, of, of what that was. Um, but I think I'm pretty much ready to sort of launch that in the fall. Um, I knew that I wanted to, I, I've worked in PR for a long time. And I've worked in literary publicity for 20 years, and it's um, it's not easy work. There's a lot of expectations. There's a lot of deadlines to meet. There's a lot of um, you know, you, it's a service-oriented job. So you're trying to not disappoint people. You're you're wanting to give them you know what they paid for. And I just find after 20 years, I'm I'm kind of done with that. <laughs> Servicing other people. Um, now I want to sort of do more for God and people in a different way. Um, and I mentioned to you when we were talking that, um, again, my husband, Mike, he has this cake that he makes. And wherever he takes it, people just go, oh, you need to market this. You need to market it. Wow. I know. And so I kept kind of, kind of counting how many times people had said that and taking that into account. And it's just a... Um, it's a really moist uh, sort of a chocolate, uh, called a chocolate Texas sheet cake. And then you make this sort of, you caramelize the butter and you make this brown butter frosting. You know? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that combination is just amazing. And I can never eat one piece. And most people cannot, I've noticed. And so I thought, I'm supposed to do something with this. Because for the longest time, I felt like my final act or my my last bit of work that I wanted to do was to do something with food. Okay. You know? Yeah. And so this just seemed to kind of fall into that. And, um, but if I was going to do something with food, I also wanted it to, to matter in some way. So my thought is, you know, in my cell of this food, I want to donate a portion to um, charities that I care about, like the rescue mission and um, operation Christmas child and various Right. You know, things like that. So um, so I kept thinking, okay, what about a name? What about a name? And I wanted it to be something that was kind of big, you know, like a live large <laughs> name. Pardon the you're eating cake, you're living large. But, <laughs> or you're going to live large. <laughs> so I came up with, and I wanted to keep Mike's name in it because he should get credit because he was the one who first brought it to the public. So, um I'm going to call it Mike's Bodacious Chocolate Cake and Cupcakes. Uh, and how I'm going to fit that on a business card, I'm not sure yet. But <laughs> I will figure that part out. Um, and then sort of my moniker or my um, my little thing at the bottom of my uh, business card, I, I want to say Psalm 34.8, and that's taste and see that the Lord is uh, good. So that it kind of all comes yes. Oh my gosh, don't you love that? How it just all falls into place and it just is like, oh my gosh, this is just exactly like your your heart for doing something in food and then Mike having this incredible cake that everybody loves and can't get enough of and then your desire to do something different and then that 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 verse which is so perfect with all of that, and that you also want to take a portion and do more good. I mean, it's just, it's a win-win in like so many directions. I love that. I, I want to order. I'm ready to order. I mean, do you know, so, so, okay. So let's talk about obviously either whether you have an official business plan or you're, you know, sort of working through some of this. You mentioned the fall as your timeline for when you want to get started. Is that going to be ordered by website initially? Or and then I think you said you had a friend that's going to help introduce you to some to some uh, restaurant managers slash owners. So that's that'll be great. So what's right. what's part of the plan? Give us a little sneak peek. You don't have to tell us all of it, but yeah. Well, um uh yeah, and well, I'm still trying to, this summer, the reason I say fall is because I, I have projects I'm trying to finish up. I still have clients, and I'm trying to kind of wrap that up by the fall. So I've been making notes and 
you know, putting things down that are in my head as to how I want to do things, researching things. Um, so I've got to kind of finish that bit of business before yes. I can actually talk, you know, actively. And some of my clients don't even know I'm doing this, but I will let them know. Um, uh, so that I, you know, officially I can really start kind of diving in in September. And I think initially, yeah, it will be a website that I'll put out there. And obviously social media, I'll you know, right. announce about it and that sort of thing. And so it'll be a per order thing and, and sort of a, hey, kids, get your cupcakes for your birthday, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so, and then when things kind of get back to more of a normalcy, then I would like to do some farmer's markets, that kind of thing, oh, to get right. my name out there locally and um, and then, as you mentioned, yeah, I have a good friend who, in the past, has worked in food service industry, and she had a catering company, and so she was like, oh, well, let, let's sit down and we'll talk about how you market it to, you know, to restaurants, um, your cake to restaurants, oh. and they, you know, so, um, so it's just, it's been kind of a work in progress in my head, but as I mention it to people, everybody's like, Oh, I know someone who might be interested, or oh, I never just kind of their idea to throw in the pot, and so it's been kind of fun. And um, as I think about it, I get really excited, and it makes me feel good. So I can tell I'm on the right track. Right, exactly. Just my soul. (laughs) Now, is your kitchen set up to? um, I don't want to say mass produce because you're obviously you're not there yet, but you can, you know, bake enough cakes to kind of get started anyway from home. Yeah. I, I'm going to need research. I mean, you can, you can do a certain amount within your own kitchen, but then when you start really, like if I'm going to produce cakes for restaurants and things, you have to find an, an outside kitchen to work okay. in because there's, you know, certain rules. And right, that right, right, right. Yeah, health laws and that sort of thing. So when you start, um, if it's just your cottage industry business where you have a website and you're selling to people one-off, um, that's fine. You can work in your kitchen. But volume, you know, if you're going to do more volume, then you have to um, work in an outside kitchen. And there are kitchens you can, uh, facilities you can, like, rent. For, oh, wow. Um, yeah, like a certain amount of hours per day or that kind of thing. That's something I do have to research, too. Um, you know, when the volume gets to that place, that'd, that'd be great. Um, but I'm, um, so yeah, that is something I have to research as well. I cannot wait to see the graphic or the logo or whatever that's going to go with Mike's bodacious cakes and cupcakes. Yeah, I'm kind of curious about that, too. Um, <laughs> I think you just my friend Alice, who does graphics. I, I, she did the yes. graphics for my existing business. And um, so she's usually my, my go-to for those sort of things. Perfect. So, she's so talented. That would be great. Yeah. I can't so wait. We'll see what she comes up with. Oh, that's fabulous. All right. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you feel like you'd like you'd like to cover? I think I might just close with this. I mentioned to you I was reading this book by Bob Goff called uh-huh. And there's just it's it's really been good for me to read while I'm trying to figure out my next, you know, step, my next journey and all of this. And so there was just a um, a quote that I wanted to read. Yes, I just please. thought it was good for all of us to hear. Um, and he said Maybe this side of heaven, life was made for searching. Instead of a final destination or striving for complete certainty, maybe our ambitions are like the smell of a pie in the oven, a reminder and invitation to follow the scent, to enter, to keep trying, keep looking, and keep discovering. And I kind of feel like that's where oh I'm at. Oh, my God. And it's even a food analogy. That's perfect. I'm a cinema pie. That's great. And of course, now I'm craving the cake and I want to know what it tastes like. So, you know, um, we'll have to do a little mini order here on the side. Uh, Yeah, I'll bring over some samples. um, Oh my gosh, that would be so fun. Well, Trisha, you have just been a delight and a joy and I feel like I've gotten to know you better. It's kind of funny how 
you know, every once in a while our paths just sort of cross again and and I enjoy every time that they do. So thank you for this time uh, with us and I will, you know, package everything and then you'll be the first to to get it. And they usually come out, they'll come out the following Tuesday. So uh, we're recording this on a Thursday and it'll be out uh, next Tuesday, which is the 4th, August 4th. Great. Well, I really enjoyed it, too. Thank you. Let's say hi to your family for me. And thank you again. So grateful to you and grateful for you. Uh, Same here. Thanks, Tricia. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Are you ready to dream big? Are you inspired to keep discovering, to keep following the scent and see where it takes you? I love that Trisha is doing that very thing by being intentional with her third act. I love that she wants to give back. May we all be emboldened to dream big. Thank you to our guest, Trisha, for reminding us simply to love. You can read more about each episode at Unabashed You, and you can email us at unabashedyou at gmail.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't already done so, sure would appreciate it if you take a moment to rate and review. They don't collect any personal information, and it takes about 30 seconds. It's a great way for the podcast to be discovered and to reach more and more women who can dream big. And now our blessing Every day, God invites us on the same kind of adventure. It's not a trip where he sends us a rigid itinerary. He simply invites us. God asks what it is he's made us to love, what it is that captures our attention, what feeds that deep, indescribable need of our souls to experience the richness of the world he made. And then... Leaning over us, he whispered, let's go do that together. And that is by Bob Goff. Thank you, Bob Goff, for helping us to dream big. And now, ladies, as you know, go do it. Go be unabashed. Be you.